You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. In the room, I have Rob, yeah, yo. Ben, uh-huh. and Sean. Hi. Blonde on Blonde is the seventh studio album by American singer-songwriter Bob Dylan, released in mid-1966 on Columbia Records. The producer was Bob Johnson, the genre was folk rock. After difficulty finding the right chemistry in the New York Columbia Studio A, Dylan took the advice of Bob Johnson and moved the sessions down to Nashville with professional session musicians. The unique sound of the album comes from Dylan's request to remove the baffles, partitions separating the musicians so that there was an ambient fit for an ensemble, and Johnson's rearrangement of the stu- studio as if it were in a tight space as opposed to playing in a big hall. Dylan would also have a piano installed in his Nashville hotel room, which Al Cooper would play to help Dylan write lyrics, and then Al Cooper would teach the tunes to the musicians before Dylan arrived for the sessions. Blonde on Blonde completed the trilogy of rock albums that Dylan recorded in 1965 to 1966, starting with Bringing It All Back Home and Highway 61 Revisited. Critics often rank Blonde on Blonde as one of the greatest albums of all time, combining the expertise of Nashville session musicians with the modernist literary sensibility. The album songs have been described as opening on a grand scale musically while featuring lyrics one critic called a unique mixture of the visionary and colloquial. It was one of the first double albums in rock music also. The album peaked at number nine on the Billboard 200 charts in the U.S., where it eventually was certified double platinum, and it reached number three in the U.K. Blonde on Blonde spawned two singles that were top 20 hits in the U.S., Rainy Day Women, 12 and 35, and I Want You. Two additional songs, Just Like a Woman and Visions of Joanna, have been named among Dylan's greatest compositions. What did we think of Blonde on Blonde? I'll start. Uh, So we took a a week off... uh, between our, our last uh, talking session and this one. And that was helpful to me for this record uh, because I was prepared for a session last time because I'd forgotten that we were taking a week off. And I was, I had listened to Blonde on Blonde and I wasn't that into it. Uh, I'd like the last two Dylan albums we heard. I'm, I'm just through this project. I'm kind of learning album Dylan as opposed for, as opposed to just like singles Dylan. And I liked uh, Bring It On Back Home, uh, Bring It All Back Home. I liked Highway 61 Revisited. And this one, it just, it was kind of off-putting to me uh, on my first several listens. Uh, We kind of, Dylan's getting into that voice that just sounds like when someone's doing a Dylan impression, Mm -hmm. which, uh, like, there's a little bit of that before, but now he's like, he's like full-on caricature Dylan. Uh, And 
that itself was a bit off-putting to me. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't like it as much as the other two I'd heard. I was all ready to give it a thumbs down, but I kept on listening to it throughout this this past week, and it just kind of like it was like a back burner, slow simmer type thing. And over this past week, I have progressively warmed up to it more and more. Uh, just like the unrepeated listens, like I notice more things, more things become familiar to me. So like I don't, they don't rub me the wrong way as much. Uh, it, just like it's kind of like it's getting broken in like a like a baseball mitt or a pair of shoes. And where I'm sitting right now, I still think I like the two prior to it a little bit better. But I enjoy listening to this record now. That's where I'm. That's where I'm sitting right now. Ask me in a week, and I might like it even more. But yeah. I, I'll probably continue listening to it. it. It's got that slow slow burn creeper effect, you know? Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. My introduction was... Actually, I had heard early Dylan first, but I never really got into Blonde on Blonde until a little bit later. And I yeah, Highway 61 was kind of that mid-tier Dylan that almost transitioning. And then this is full-on, that st- steady studio musician... Uh, people and yeah i i really dig it i mean just the you know what he's doing with the band it sounds like that laid back kind of um sort of what the stones will get into that that Mm -hmm. cool nashville yeah almost honky tonk but um yeah interesting lyrically and the songs are 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 great my opinion yeah i i when i was looking at this, my first thought was like, oh, great, 72 minutes of Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it, the, I, I'm still, I'm still not sold on the guy. And again, I, I, I think a lot of this shit has to do with at what age you were first introduced to it and then how it, it strikes you. That goes with any band, like, period. No, I mean, for, but for, for the most part, like, I, I listened to the entire record, I listened to it twice, and I was just like, this, the fucking, the musician, like, the, the session musicians on this fucking rule. Um, the two singles on it are great. Um, will I ever go back and re-listen to it again? Not really. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, actually, I actually prefer this uh, over the one where... He's got the cue cards and is just saying random shit. Oh, that's shit. free willin'. Yeah, that would so. be free one, Bob Dylan, which With was which was actually three ago. Yes, yeah. yes. So uh, we we did free willin'. I'm just gonna re- revise here. Then we had um, <clears throat> bringing it all back, bringing all back home. Highway 61 revisited, and now blonde on blonde. Mm-hmm. I agree with pretty much everything everyone has said so far. Super controversial. Um, but <laughs> I, Scandal. Yeah. But sometimes I, you know, I, I enjoy Bob Dylan. He's not somebody I ever feel compelled to listen to, you know, but this time I had to. And my husband listened to him all the time. So, like, I think maybe that has to do with why I never put him on on purpose because he's mm-hmm. going to come to me. Um, <laughs> but I do think, like, to your point about his being kind of a parody of himself at some point, I, I just imagine him, like, listing things he saw like he like went to the circus and saw him <laughs> Sam and like and like that you know if I ever would like kind of drifted off while listening to this and like kind of tuned back in that's what I heard you know it's just like yeah. his endless list making but he's good at it and you know he, he created a sound that is still you know even like he's he's very old now and his sound is still very much his and that says a lot I think you know he's true to himself yeah this this really represented like the the transition into 
what Bob Dylan would do for many, many years, I feel like. Like, this period of 18 months when he did those three albums, I felt like the first one is him coming, you know, out of the folk. The second one's kind of pushing it even farther out of the folk. And then this one is, like, this Nashville sound. It's got, you know, this different a different production style. And I feel like the lyrics kind of reflect it in each one of those. The first one being uh, these more just kind of surreal, you know, almost youthful kind of like angry lyrics you know the second one kind of having like a come to terms and then this one being almost like that mature older uh even though it's you know so close together those these albums are so close together i think it kind of blows me away that each one of them represents something different in a transition and and that um they all have great songs the one thing i struggled with was that you know like you said this is 72 minutes and the last song Ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah. dude, really? <laughs> but, you know, it was a good song. It's uh, it's, just, it's been called an epic, love-worn, you know, song. Sure. I Seems mean, crazy. Actually, it's it, 11 minutes. Isn't it like all of side four if you, in, yes. in the original reissue? I remember I was reading something about uh, the, the studio musicians. I think it was like some of the guys from the band and some other cats. They're talking about like he hadn't really given them that much prep. Like he told them like the song structure and the key and stuff. They went into it, and so he, when he gets into his second chorus, uh, the band just starts like building up. Like this is the big chorus, and uh, and like they they build up as if that's the climax to the song. And then Bob Dylan goes on for like another seven minutes. <laughs> they're talking about like, like in the studio, they're just kind of like looking at each other, like almost like laughing because like, what can you do? Like, where do you go from here? <laughs> so. He is really good at holding tension, like at a certain point, you know. Like if you can write, I mean, I, that's kind of how his cadence works, I guess. I think it's called edging. Maybe is that a is that a? I hope not. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. <laughs> like when you're painting a room. Yes. Yes, with your dick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> nope. 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 <laughs> I didn't mean to make you so sad. You just happened to be there, that's all. When I saw you say goodbye to your friend and smile. It was well understood That you'd be coming back in a little while I didn't know that you were saying goodbye for good But sooner or later One of us must know did what you're supposed to do Sooner or later One of us must know That I really did try to get close to you uh, Question for you guys. What? How do you think that these tunes would translate had he not gone to Nashville? Like, would this even he, be like he worth said that time? It, uh, I think that it would have. I mean, I feel like he had he had strong enough players with the uh, the Hawks, which were his band was his band on the road, and um, it w- didn't include Paul Butterfield. But 
they, they were talented enough musicians, but he did say that there was some sort of block that he was having. They recorded like 10 songs and he they just like scrapped them. Uh, I think they did get... Pillbox, Pillbox, Pillbox hat. hat. Yeah, they did get that one in New York. But he said, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the band, you know? So he was literally admitting like, I don't know why this isn't working. This seems like it... But apparently, he just needed to change, and he so might like have just needed to change. Live band wasn't translating to studio band. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't let them go as a live band. He just right. didn't record with them. Right, and I think that he might have just needed some new players just yeah. to just to kind of get some inspiration. And I mean, it said they installed a piano at his hotel, and maybe he just needed like Al Cooper there to drink whiskey and smoke pot with them while he. <laughs> Just I'm like noodled. Thought it, thought it out, yeah. I'm glad you brought up Al Cooper. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, or a few episodes ago, uh, when we were talking about Highway 61 Revisited, I was I told like the, the story of the happenstance of Al Cooper's organ line that really is like a Rolling Stone even happening. Uh, as a quick recap, he wasn't there that day as a studio musician. He, he was a guitar player, and he was there as a guest of the producer, and he brought his guitar because he was hoping that it would be a laid-back enough session to be able to play some licks. That never worked out. Uh, at one point, the producer moves around some people in the room. He moves the, uh, the organ player over to the piano, so there's an empty seat at the organ. Al Cooper knows how to play organ okay, so he sa- tells the producer he's going to go in, and he's got a good idea for an organ line. Producer says, uh, well, you're not an organ player, but he doesn't say no. So Al Cooper goes in, and a producer knows that like at any point you can just turn him down. And Al Cooper lays down like the iconic big organ sound from uh, like a Rolling Stone. And, it, and it's the loudest thing in the mix that's not Bob Dylan's vocals. It's what you think about when you think of that song. And it seems like Bob Dylan has doubled down on Al Cooper. Because in this album... He is all over the place. He's play, he, he's not playing guitar. He's playing that organ on so many songs, and it sounds like he's even kind of acting as a band leader. Like, he's got the piano in Bob Dylan's room. He's teaching the musicians their parts. So going from a guy that wasn't even supposed to be there to, like, the, to the organ player, and, and I'm going to call him a band leader on Blonde on Blonde, that's a... That's a a cool ripple effect from him getting an idea to, to sit down at an organ when he wasn't even <laughs> supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you can hear that, like, we're, we're listening, I think, right now to uh, One of Us Must Know, and you can hear that, 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 that like, organ sound. Yep. It's all over it. Yeah, it's all over this album, for sure. Yeah, I can't deny this album. I, I like so many of these songs. Rainy Day Women, Visions of... I, at first, actually, uh, Rainy Day Women, uh, when I was younger, like a youth, uh, I used to hate Rainy, Rainy Day Women. It just sounded so like clown, like a circus Did you know it from the Forrest Gump soundtrack? Cause, no, cause no, I, that, before, that's then, what, before that's how, then. That was my introduction to Rainy Day Women. But it sounded like so, like like a circus kind of thing. But then uh, as I realized, it was like a New Orleans, like, you know, Salvation Army style. Yeah. Uh, I, I started to love it. And a lot of the lyrics and visions of uh, Joanna and I Want You is like a classic poppy ballad that he does which is 
unlike him. His voice doesn't have that Bob Dylan voice, and I want mm-hmm. you, I feel like. Feels very straightforward. Hey, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm haunted by that. <laughs> no, it's just like straightforward, like, I want you. I mm-hmm. want you. He probably could have split this album and picked out like a 10 song album, to tell you the truth. Uh, if I were to be anything critical, I agree with Ed- that. Edit down four songs. Yeah. I know, like, you. Oh me! Edit, what, edit, edit, what, what, what would whittle you cut? it right now? <laughs> whittle it down. <laughs> don't mess up. <laughs> I, I I don't think I could even do that. But I do th- feel like it loses a little steam um, after after around nine or like ten to ten to thirteen seems to be uh, I think where I get into this like state of like I'm still listening to this album but not like focusing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know which ones. Maybe Pledging My Time, uh, which is the second song, has a very shrill uh, harmonica. It's, I, it's I, a little... got. It's got the blues. Yeah, yeah. And and just being a fan of like older blues, yeah. his, he's, a, he's a great player, and he does the blues right. I have to give him credit for that, actually. Like, And he played with a lot of the uh, older players and... Um, Definitely gave them credit where credit's due. It's not like he was trying to, you know, I think he brings his own style to to blues. Um, and this was actually a little more Chicago than his mm-hmm. earlier stuff, which was trying to be, um, represent something more like a... Oh, the Baby City Blues. Like yeah. a Delta Blues. It sticks <clears throat> out a bit on this album, because it's really, it's kind of the only song that has that, like, 12-bar Batman feel. And and it's coming off of a like Highway sixty one, which arguably is kind of a a blues rock record. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I, I think uh, going going for if we had to pare this down, I think that that's a good call. Yeah, yeah. actually, it, to to make it on a standard like album, he probably could have just taken off Sad Eyed Lady <laughs> of the Lowlands. <laughs> That 11, takes him down 11 to, minutes. It takes him down to three sides. <laughs> He's still got to lose That's one true. side. That's true. <laughs> Guilty undertaker sighs. The lonesome old grinder cries. The silver saxophones say, I should refuse you. Packed bells and washed out horns Blow into my face with scorn But it's not that way I wasn't born to lose you I want you I want you I want you So bad Honey, I want you The drunken politician leaps Upon the street where mothers weep how old was he when he recorded this? So young. 18. <laughs> He's getting younger with every album for a while, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. It's just 66. This is like a really basic, like not Dylan listener thing to say, but it always amazes me that somebody can think, I'm going to sing like this when they're like below 50. Like, this is like a really... Do you think he had a choice in what voice came out of his head? I think so. Or do you think he opened his mouth and just like, Bleh. Well, what about like, 
Like in a string that's like, <laughs> like starting a chainsaw. I mean, because well, he, he comes back with Nashville, and Nashville he does not sing like Dylan, right? He has. Like, when was Late Lady Lay? Because that's like a oh, yeah. totally different guy. Yeah, it is. Lady Lady Lay. Which I thought yes. was great. I, I enjoy that Dylan sound. Uh, but it's, you know, you can't sing like this without it being some kind of affectation. Nobody. I can't imagine like a child singing like this and just being like, that's how he sounds. That's my son. Like, <laughs> my boy. <laughs> do, you, I, and do you guys think it's weird that uh, the, like all these like top 500, top 1000 lists, like that uh, an album like this is like coming in at number one to number 10 the entire time. Like, do you think that is like a strange I, I don't have an opinion as to what wouldn't be there with I, the I Beatles and Dylan but at the same time I think that's a really like that that particular like grouping of individuals seems lazy on the parts of the people doing the editing I, well, for Well I think it. because it obviously a mass appeal and the sound endured this doesn't I mean it sounds dated in the way we know when it came out because we all just know but I think this sound has continued to influence a lot of other sounds. You know, it just really yeah. spread out. But I, does that make it the best album? Well, it the because because there's shit like that they were listening to that they that came into making those records. Why are those not the greatest records of all time? White people. Well, you could say <clears throat> the same thing about it's. It's hard. It's very hard to say, and this is this is just conversation here. I, sure, I yeah. No, no real idea of like what else could be go into these categories, but well, I mean, if you think about it, I, I think cruising. it would help if you if you thought about it too in terms of literature and and movies as well, media in, in general. Is Citizen Kane actually the best movie? Well, it's you know maybe not. You know, like a Obviously lot of people it, consider it like in the top. You know. Whatever, or we could say The Godfather or something like that, and people could say, "Well, you know, the sh- some of the shots aren't, you know, like with our modern technology, yeah, we have better Genius, shots and baby stuff like Genius that." Baby Geniuses Two Super Babies is <laughs> so a standalone. So it's it's very hard to say, you know, having these these people who are, are genuine like geniuses. I mean, even like you could say someone like. Uh, like Beethoven or, you know, these classical musicians who were obviously very talented. I mean, they created all sorts of symphonies, operas, everything, you know, but at the same time, like people have their own tastes and yeah, you're kind of hit it on the head of saying like it, it's, it's a wide gamut of, of things and everybody has their own set. But they always come back to these. But it's it's a sweet spot in history. It is a very sweet spot. Yes, because is it because the boomers are still alive? Well, it's it. Will that change once they die out? Is that everything? Honest, honest question. Everything that came after this was arguably influenced by this, and everything that came before this didn't have the the legs. Didn't have the commercial vehicle to reach as many people. Like this. What like these albums from this era were the first time that like Joe Blow in Idaho is is like is hearing this stuff uh, and and also you know I think artistically they stand for themselves but yeah like I said like anything that comes after it it's been done anything that came before it wasn't mass hurt, massly yeah. heard 
Hmm. It was just like a sweet spot. Well, also think about like, you know, in like the 40s when music was just like, like that didn't really endure to like the 90s. This did and then continued to after that. Uh, the, my wife's favorite uh, lyric on the leopard skin pillbox hat and the lyric goes, we'll both just sit there and stare me with my belt wrapped around my head and you just sitting there in your brand new leopard skin pillbox hat. <laughs> Damn. So there you go. <laughs> Good job, Bob Dylan. I, I do like the line about how he saw her with the other guy because they forgot to close the garage door. <laughs> and, and all that that implies. That's a neighborhood lady. <laughs> uh, how do we feel about this album? I'm on the plus side. I think it's a great album. Um, and it definitely holds up. I feel like year after year, I find this album more interesting and... Um, yeah, I can put it on and listen to it. Yeah, I'm on the neutral side. I don't hate it, I don't love it, and I won't listen to it again on purpose. I get it, but not not for me. Yeah. I'm recently on the plus side. I spent a while on the neutral side. I am wondering about the album cover and why the picture's blurry. What is it blurry because it's an artistic decision, or is it blurry because, like, Oh, oh well, good enough. People aren't here to look at Bob Dylan. Like I, I, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know either. I'm, I'm assuming they probably could have gotten a, a, a picture in focus. He but that's a fast moving guy. <laughs> yeah, he's very slow. <laughs> I think it kind of represents a certain look, right? Like it, it's a bit like hazy. So like you, so you think it's an artistic decision? Scotland. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's an artistic decision. Uh, also, he said that he doesn't know where Blonde on Blonde came from. Just, just he honestly can't remember where the where the title of the album came from. They just came up with it. Weird, because in the album cover, his hair is blonde, yeah. and so is the background that he's standing against. What? Yeah. What? But they could have picked that, you know, based on what he said the title was. They also could have shot it in focus. <laughs> Photoshop. <laughs> it went time time traveled. What do you think, Sean? I give this a positive plus. Um, it's not necessarily my jam, but that's just a personal taste thing. I recognize that it's pretty pretty stellar. Also, it, it's just good. Like if you want to listen to Bob Dylan and like want a specific Bob Dylan sound, to me, this is like my preferred Bob Dylan sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, you can kind of forget you're listening to it for a while and come back, and you're not really necessarily like missing anything crazy but also it, it feels good to come back you know that's that was my experience when listening to it it's like i was you know working and i was busy sometimes and i was still just like oh i didn't really miss i get it i'm still here um mm. yeah it's good like you know porch sitting drinking music yeah yeah absolutely all right uh that'll do it all right next time we'll be talking about the monks Woo! black monk time to the countess who's pretending to care for him Saying need me someone that's not a parasite And I'll go out and say a prayer for him But like Louise always says You can't look at much can you man if she herself prepares for him And Madonna, she's Still has not shown. We see.
see this empty cage now corrode Where her cape of the stage once it flowed The fiddler he now steps to the road He writes everything's been returned which was old On the back of the fish truck that loads While my conscience explodes Oh, harmonica's play The skeleton keys and the ray And these visions of Johanna Are now all that remains 